Good morning. Uh, welcome to the firehouse. My name is Rich. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to uh, especially welcome you for this fine uh, Palm Sunday. I don't know if you guys got your, your palms or not, but I uh, actually snagged these from the Sunday school place so where they're going to be practicing. they got donkeys out there and everything. It's going to be quite a show. So, uh, no, just joking. But this Palm Sunday, we will kind of um, mention something related to that here as we go. Also, what else do we have going on around here? Um, March Madness is happening. Anyone involved in March Madness? Had a lot of March Madness at my house this last week, and uh, I hear they're playing basketball somewhere too, but it's um, a whole other thing. But appreciate I just want to say a special thanks to everyone involved in the, um, in the mission team that came out. How many of you uh, had the opportunity to be a host family for that? If you don't mind raising your hand, I said, yeah. Good job. Round of applause for these host families, if you don't mind. We had, uh, I think we had about 55 students out from Omaha that helped us to do all sorts of things this week. I think Monday they passed out 10,000 flyers. They did that in about a half hour, I think. Um, they're running and crazy. Um, they got on some campuses on Tuesday doing some uh, you know, spiritual climate survey, just comparing the spiritual climate of Denver campuses to theirs out in Omaha. Um, you know, it was fun coordinating there. They went to DU. Uh, I don't know if any of you are from DU or have connections there, but they, they went there and were checking it out and they said, man, this campus is really quiet. They must all be in class. And later they realized they were on spring break also. So it was kind of fun. Uh, but Aurelia was still hopping and Regis was still in session in school, uh, Colorado School of Mines. Took a, took a few people to realize it's like school of minds and technology, not like school of the minds. Uh, there, there was a little confusion there, but it was a, a fun, fun bunch. There a lot of a lot of great stories. You know, um, for me, uh, I think they they put on two outreach concerts. One on the Auraria campus, one at Regis. They put on a, a concert here at our church as well, and so that was kind of a new element. And they all went really well. For me, one of the um, I don't know God moments was uh, there was Thursday. Thursday morning, we were here at the church, and the, we're scheduled for a concert out on Auraria, and I don't know if you remember Thursday morning at all, it was very cloudy, very dreary, uh, the forecast predicted rain, you know, later in the day, and so I just showed up really like, you know, God, I want to have faith that you're going to, you know, change this situation, but I, I sure wouldn't mind if it started raining now, and we just kind of go with plan B, which um, I don't know, we didn't have a plan B, but I thought it would be much easier that way than, than sticking with plan A, but by the time we were done, you know, they shared verses together that morning, and uh, I had read a verse as well that I, that I just felt like God came through on, but it was from Luke chapter 5. Um, just share that one with you real quickly here. But, um, you know, it just says this, 5 and um, uh, 526. But it was speaking about a miracle that Jesus had performed, and, and after, in the wake of that miracle, it said this, Everyone was amazed and, pray, and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe, and they said, We have seen remarkable things today. And, you know, we, we prayed going into that morning that somehow we'd see remarkable things. It wasn't looking remarkable as we got started there, but we just prayed that between all of us that there would be enough faith. You know, this story, there were four people that had faith that Jesus would heal their friend. We don't even know what the faith of the friend was, but we know that, that Jesus saw their faith and he healed their paralyzed friend. So we're just praying, God, see our faith and do something. And so by the time we, we left and they, we thought about uh, finding another 
other venue at the Auraria campus, just plan B indoors, and that venue was already taken, and so we just said, let's go forward, and uh, Rory with uh, the Omaha Church just said, you guys, let's just go set up, and as they went and set up, got to campus, the sun came out, started shining, um, it, we uh, had a great concert there, we've seen a number of concerts there at the Auraria campus, if you've ever seen them before, they're like, um, you know, it's usually like about... Ten people listening to some rapper that's on the stage there, and the, the ten people might be friends, or they might have pizza there that's lured them in. But um, this uh, concert was the biggest concert I've ever seen on the Auraria campus, and it had the Omaha team, and it had other people that were joining in the crowd to check it out, and uh, there was an opportunity to share the gospel and a testimony. It just seemed like God bless it. And then by the time we were done and started packing it up, um, the I know my family. Once we got to our van, uh, rain and snow started coming down, and the sound team said once they got the last piece of equipment in their trailer, it started raining and we drove off and we we came back that night here for a praise and worship time, but we were able to look back on the day and go, today we have seen remarkable things, you know, and it was just awesome to see God at work there. But anyways, it was a, it was a blast, it was a great time, and thank you for everyone who helped in all the different logistics and housing and everything there. So, um, But we're going to go ahead and pray, we're going to jump into um, this, we're wrapping up the series that we've started, and so we're just going to kind of take a look at the end of this book here and summarize it and kind of talk about uh, a little about Palm Sunday and a little about the next couple weeks here and we'll call it a morning. So, um, But I'm just going to pray and, and actually um, I'm going to do it a little different this morning. I actually would ask a favor of you guys. Instead of me praying for this time, I just thought maybe if we could take a minute and have um, have you all pray. I feel like it's been a crazy, busy week. Um, by God's grace, we, we I feel like there's some things to share here, but Without his help, I don't think it's going to be worthwhile for any of us. And so I just would ask maybe for a moment that you pair up with someone sitting next to you. If you're used to praying together with others, you know, pray with someone sitting next to you. If you're not, you can just sit there and uh, I'll, I'll wrap up this prayer here in a moment. Maybe you're not familiar with doing that or if you just want to pray on your own. But just ask that God would bless our next few minutes together. Um, by his grace, it will only be a few minutes. And um, and you can pray for that as well. But, um, but just that God would speak to you uh, in spite of me. I, I feel not as well prepared as I've felt for a message before, but I know in, in spite of that, God can show up and do things in each one of our lives. And so I just ask if you would just pair up with someone next to you, pray for a bit, or, or just wait, and, and I'll wrap up this prayer here in, in about a minute or two, and then we'll, um, we'll get on with this. So take a minute and, and just offer up a prayer if you don't mind.
chapter 6, Greg Miller shared on three of the kind of milestones. Uh, I think they use the word three conversions. I think about three commitments. A commitment to Christ, a commitment to the church, His church, and a commitment to His mission. In chapter 7, Jeff shared on some of the practicals of discipleship, how this plays out, what certain lies we can believe, and how the gospel can disarm those. And chapter 8, really, I think it's even more practical. It goes from uh, the practicals Jeff shared into practical implementation for your church and how to go about this and some Q&A and things like that. And so, you know, we're going to be figuring this out as pastors. What is going to be the practical implementation, expression of some of these things here? They talk about fight clubs. And um, I'll just read the very end of this chapter. This is kind of, I think, the gist of the chapter here. But it just says, call them whatever you like or don't call them anything at all but join with other disciples in making and maturing disciples who trust Jesus go with the gospel learn the gospel share the gospel go in the power of the gospel baptize in the grace of the gospel and teach the person of the gospel and you know we're, we're going to figure out the details how do we implement these will fight clubs be within each of our small groups um, We'll get back to you on that. We're going to kind of probably come up with our own. Um, They have a a Fight Club handout book for the the guy that authored this in his church. I know Fort Collins has a version of that from uh, the church up there we're associated with. And we're going to figure out the details for our church. But I think it's going to be helpful. And it's going to help us to, to know our sin and to fight our sin and to feed our faith. Help us to trust Christ more. Um, as we carry out our mission here. And so there will be more details on that coming. Um, Let's see here. You know, I really like the analogy which we'll share maybe at our next worship night, but how we talked about even in chapter 7 about how what Christ has accomplished on the cross is kind of like a a strategic victory that the details are just yet to play out. Just like in World War II, he used the analogy of on D-Day was a, a decisive or a strategic victory in World War II that led to the ultimate outcome of, of the treaty and the things signed at V-Day. And, and he talks about how the cross of Christ is really where the victory has occurred. And there's a lot of fighting to play out until Christ returns. And we fight against sin. And we fight with a new identity and with a new power. And, and I, I thought that was encouraging. That's chapter 7. Um, but it was something that stood out to me. Just to put it all in perspective... We've talked about our vision at the Firehouse Church, and the vision is to reach the world with Jesus, starting here. We talked about reaching the world with Jesus means reaching the world with the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. Um, It's reaching the world as representatives of Jesus, as his disciples representing Jesus to the world. And it's reaching the world with Jesus, with his spirit, the very spirit of Jesus himself. we also talked about starting here means starting in our own hearts. We want to reach the world, but if our own hearts aren't properly motivated um, in our love for God and our passion for Christ, then you know we really can't go anywhere else. You know, if it's not working here, why export it? You know, and so we really spent these last eight weeks to try to cultivate that love, that passion, that um, you know gospel motivation for reaching the world, carrying out this mission. We want that to overflow into our church, into our neighborhood. But, you know, this was really designed to help kickstart our hearts and warm our hearts. And, and I hope that God is doing that in you and has begun that work. Um, I'm just going to share a few uh, things, a few truths, a few truths, essential truths that I think each one of us must come away with or I hope.
hope you've come away with. I know these are things that God has renewed and refreshed me in. And then we'll look at our upcoming events and we'll give those to you as, as even prayer requests for what's coming up here. But I'm just going to share, and these are all things that were, were in the book here, and I'm just going to try to share briefly on some. And one of them just kind of share my heart on there, some new things that God's been teaching me or, or refreshing me in. But anyways, um, the first one is just that we need to realize that the gospel is a message that points us to Jesus. And let me share what I mean by that. Um, the gospel you can hear in this culture nowadays in church, the gospel is, I think, becoming a, a popular word to use. And the gospel is becoming this broad, sweeping term that sometimes it's like so broad that I think it's hard to understand what it means. It seems to mean everything, and yet it can mean little things and big things. And you just, you know, just say the gospel and, and people nod and go, yeah, totally, man. I, you, you get the gospel, me too. Um, but one of the things I want to make sure we catch is that we don't just catch the doctrine of the gospel, the good news about Jesus and what he accomplished through his death, through his resurrection. Sometimes it can be strictly an intellectual thing. And the verse that I just want to share with us on this point is um, one that Jesus shared here in five, uh, chapter 5 of John. And I think it's 539 and 40. But he said this at one, one point to the, uh, the religious people of his time. And he said, You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. Yet you, you refuse to come to me to have life. And I think we have to be careful of substituting this for the scriptures. They were referring to the Old Testament scriptures at that time. And these guys searched them and they thought, boy, if I just really get the hang of these, this, these scrolls back then, then I can really know what God's thinking. I can really, it's like somehow these, this book will save me. And Jesus was saying, hey, those words and the scrolls that you have, don't miss, and you have missed, that they point to me, to a person. And you could put the word the gospel in here, I think, and it would have the same meaning in, in this day and age. You diligently study the gospel because you think that by it you possess eternal life. But this gospel testifies about me, that you refuse to come to me to have life. We want to make sure we don't make that same error. We have the gospel, and the gospel is so cool, and I'm learning all about it, and, and yet we never get connected to the person that it's pointing to, to Jesus, you know. And the author of this book, several times he alluded to this idea. He started the book off an introduction, and, you know, I took note that he says, he's talking about grace. Our very first chapter, we talked a lot about the amazing grace of God, but he says this grace originates with the Father, flows through the Son, it settles on us in the Spirit. Um, we can't get to it without going right through Jesus, which is why discipleship is Jesus or gospel-centered. And, and he calls it gospel-centered discipleship, but he said, you know, really, it's about Jesus. We've got to get to Jesus. The whole journey starts with the good news about Jesus. It carries on with the good news about the grace of Jesus. Um, but we can't miss the person. And just one uh, illustration, one example of this in my own world. I remember when I was a new Christian, I began, I learned how to share the gospel. And I went through this evangelism training class, extremely thorough class. It was like 13 weeks long. You memorize 33 verses and a number of transitions. And it helped explain a lot about the gospel um, and, you know, how, what God was like, what we are like, how we've sinned against Him, how we can bridge the gap, things like that. And I remember sharing that again and again. But one time I shared, and a number of people would, they would respond. And 
they go, wow, I have sinned against God. I have earned death. Well, I do see that Jesus offers forgiveness. And I saw God lead a number of people to himself through that presentation. But I remember one time specifically, I was sharing with a girl, a single woman up in Fort Collins, and she came alongside me so that we could share with this other girl. Uh, and the girl I knew, she was a friend of a co-worker or something at, at my uh, office there. But I thought, well, let's share. And so I shared the, di- the diagram, and it was going real well and real clear. But when she shared, she sh- shared a lot about how, wow, yeah, and this allows you to have a relationship with God and your sin is paid for and you're forgiven and so you can start having a relationship with God and, and she was sharing this and I was just going, wow, that's, that's a wild concept, that's very cool. And I'm sharing the intellectual facts about how you can get saved and how you get forgiveness and how you got to have faith and here's some cool analogies and she brought this component of, you know, now all of this connects you to a person who loves you, who wants to be a part of your life and when you prayer, you're actually inviting Jesus into your life as your, your Lord, the new leader. And you place your trust in Him as your Savior, but, but it's a relational thing. And, and it, was, it was kind of like an epiphany for me, which it shouldn't have been. I, I had a relationship with God, but it was probably a lot more linear and stuff than it could have been, and maybe not as relational. But I just want to make sure in all the things that we do with the gospel and as we try to share with others that we, we don't miss that the goal of it is to introduce someone to a person. When the gospel is used for evangelism, to introduce them to a person when it's used to as we're following Christ and growing in His grace you know it's still it's about following that person for the rest of our lives following Christ and so we, we just don't want to miss that um Another thing we've got in the gospel here, the, the second thing I want us to come away with is just that the gospel promises us new life. It promises us salvation. You know, there's three, these last three things here are just related to promises from the gospel. And one is just that it promises, it, the gospel holds promise for our forgiveness, for our being saved from our sins, for giving us a new record, making us a new person. The gospel offers to each one of us new life. And I just want to read a passage real quick. It's related to Palm Sunday here that, that I think captures a little bit of how the good news of the gospel deals with the penalty of the sin that you and I have all earned when we sin against God. And you might know the passage here. I don't know, you know uh, what the tradition is to do to wave your, palm, your palms several times like this. And uh, no, that's not uh, Jesus never said anything like that. We have the recorded example that they used them to lay before him as he came into the city as he was prophesying. Uh, the Savior who was to come. And I'm just going to read from Luke 19 here. And it says this, starting in verse uh, 37. It says, He came near the place where the road goes down um, the Mount of Olives. The whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it. And he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from you. And he goes on to say, they will not leave one stone on another because you do not recognize the time of God's coming to you. But I just think of this uh, this whole scenario here and Jesus coming down this this dusty little road and into the city of Jerusalem and um, 
And some of them are recognizing him as the Messiah, the Savior who was to come. They were throwing down palm branches. They were throwing down their jackets, their, um, you know, whatever they had, their down jackets, their north face, whatever were the cool cloaks back then. They were throwing them down so that Jesus and his donkey could walk across them. And they were praising him with the praise that was set apart for the Savior who was to come. And yet Jesus paused along the way, and, and even though they were praising him, I think, I don't know if he, you know, had dreamed this before. He'd seen the, you know, the, he had a picture in his mind of what would happen. But some of those very same people who were praising him in that moment were likely going to be ones who were going to, in a week later, would be spitting on him, would be mocking him, would be doing things to him that were um, the exact opposite of what he deserved, the exact opposite of what happened that first um, Palm Sunday. And... And yet, you know, his response was to that. He he wept over them. And he just, his words here, if you'd only known this day what would bring you peace. And I think about his words that I'm sure he was extremely familiar with the, the words of the prophet Isaiah and how Isaiah had kind of written out the account of what would happen to him. I'm sure he knew those words about himself. I would just want to read those from Isaiah 53. You know, and maybe Jesus was thinking ahead, hey, this is great, these guys are doing this now, but I know uh, in less than a week how it's really going to play out. And it says in Isaiah 53, 5, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of, Each of us has turned to His own way, and the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. It goes on to say later in the chapter, verse 11 and 12, it just, after the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. It goes on to finish by saying, um, he, bore, he bore the sin of many and made intercession for transgressors. transgressors. But Jesus here was just saying that um, if he'd only known that what's going to happen this week was going to bring you peace. I'm going to be punished so that you will not have to be punished. And on this day, I just want to make sure these words are still true today. And I hope every one of you in this room, you know, I think of Jesus and His compassion weeping over the city. Uh, two applications I see in that are, if you don't yet know that Christ has died for you, you need to know these words are true for you this morning, where He says, if you'd only known this day what would bring you peace. I don't know what you are looking to find peace in. Maybe you're looking for peace in relationships. Maybe you're looking for peace in drugs and alcohol. Maybe you're looking for peace in punishing yourself for your sins. And Jesus wanted people to know, hey, I'm going to be punished so that you don't have to. I'm going to be punished. The wrath of God is going to be expressed on me. His wrath will be satisfied for your sins so you don't have to be punished. Because to take on an eternal punishment would take, obviously, forever. And Jesus, as God's eternal Son, was able to take that on. But I, but I hope that you know that. I don't know where you are if you're visiting, but that Jesus really wept for you, wanting you to know what would bring you peace with God. And if you do know that, and you've looked to Jesus as your Savior, I hope you would have that same heart. You know, he, He's foreseeing these people who would spit on Him, and mock Him, and beat Him, and He wept for them. He wept for them. He had compassion for those that didn't get the good news about what He'd done on the cross yet. And I hope you and I, if you've responded to that, if you believe that He died for you, He was punished for you, 
that you catch that heart. The the mission we're on is all about reaching these people that need to know what He did, what He accomplished there. And really the Gospel, one major facet of it is um, He dealt with the penalty of our sin. He took our punishment upon Him. And and we have to make sure we catch that. That's obviously extremely important. But we also need to realize that the Gospel doesn't stop there. I've talked with people even in the course of this last eight, eight weeks where... I've heard the thought of, you know, hey, Jesus died. He paid the penalty for my sins. Um, there's nothing righteous I can do because all my you know, righteous acts are like filthy rags. And, and Jesus, He didn't leave the good news there. Hey, I paid for your sins, and now you're going to be stuck in a life of sin from here on out. You know, make the most of it. Get by, cope. At least you know you're forgiven by the time you're done. But the good news didn't stop just with dealing with the penalty of our sin. The good news is that He gave us a power by which we could overcome sin. Um, he, he gave us what we need for a full life. You know, a new life is, you know, we've been given a new record. If you believed in Christ, you've been given a new record that He took your sin. And Second uh, Corinthians 5.21 says that He became our sin and God punished Him for that. And He gave His righteousness to us. He credited his righteous life that he lived to anyone who would look to him as their Lord and Savior. And so, um, but, but then he goes on to say, you know, I think of Jesus' promise here, John 10.10, 10, where he just says, uh, I've come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. He came that we could not only have our penalty dealt with, but to give us everything we need for a full life in this broken world. And there's a, a number of verses we have list, listed here. Um, 2 Corinthians says, oh, that, that's the next one here, John 10.10. 10. Um, Colossians 2.6 is one I, I really like. It's, it's, uh, it was in the book. It was quoted several times here as we read it. But um, it's a challenging verse to me because it says, it basically says that, well, let's read it real quick here. Colossians 2.6. It says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him. You know, we receive Christ by, um, by grace, His gracious work in our faith. You know, it says you've been saved by grace through faith. And we, our faith connects us to the gracious work that He did on the cross. And, and we can look back to that, what He did, and go, um, my faith connects me with Him dealing with my punishment and all the things that come with that. He credits me as uh, righteous and uh, makes me a new person. But then he goes on to say, you know, kind of by the way, just as you received Him as Lord by believing His work there, so live in Him. You know, it's, it's again by our faith in His gracious work now. Sometimes we can just look back and go, boy, He did that on the cross. I just always got to look back to the cross because that's the only work He did. Jesus says, is at work in your life today. He wants to live in you and through you. I was encouraged by the, if you read the Faith Walker's devotional at all, I was just talking about, you know, you don't become a Christian. You have to crank out the Christian life on your own. Um, but Jesus has given you His very Spirit that has the power to overcome sin, that has everything we need for life in this world. And, and it all, again, comes just as salvation comes through our faith. So this life comes through our faith. I'm reminded um, of this, this verse in Colossians here. Some of you know it. It's, it's, sometimes it's encouraging. Sometimes it's really convicting. Um, Colossians chapter 3, he's speaking to these guys who started out their Christian life by faith. 3.3 3, it says, Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Verse 5 says, Does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law? Or because you believe what you heard. 
And we just need to catch that um, the key to our salvation and to that new life, being born again, is our faith. The key to the full life, the abundant life, Christ living His life in and through us, again comes back to our faith. And I've been really challenged by that. This verse in Matthew 10 I referred to here is where Jesus says, Hey, by the way, my yoke in the Christian life, it's an easy yoke. It's a light yoke. Um, and it's an actually a restful thing. And I so often can fill the Christian life and I go, This is tiring. It's not restful. I've got to do all these good things. I've got to do all the things that please God. I've got to fight my sin. This is tiring. It's getting so tiring. And Jesus said, No, it's a, it's a restful thing. And the key to that, again, is us trusting Him to, to do all the things that we need and through our faith and through our prayer, asking Him for help on all these things. And I just want to share an example of that recently that just was really overwhelming in some ways. Um, I took a trip, uh, not this past week, spring break trip, but the week before, and I took a trip out to L.A. and spent some time with some of our pastors in our association, or at least our region here, that are similar-sized churches as us, and some of them even smaller. And some guys got us together just to kind of share life together, to pray for each other, to encourage one another. And I was, when I went on the trip to L.A., I'm thinking, I've got a to-do list that is like the most full it has been in a really long time. And i got to see some flyers designed for this outreach team that's coming. They've got to have flyers before they show up so that they can pass them out. And we've got to... Um, you know, provide for this team, the housing and the food, and all that was still coming together. Uh, I was thinking about an Easter message. What are we doing for our Easter message? We have a series after Easter. We want to start this whole next series on what it is to be a disciple. And I was just kind of overwhelmed by it all. And so God kind of took me out of my situation here, and for whatever reason, you know, it took me to L.A., and I'm just thinking, this is exactly what I need. Leave town while there's this, all this stuff to do. But while I was there, I felt like um, God gave me some time to just sit in his presence and to pray and to soak up some of these verses that where, where Jesus says, hey, um, you know, it's actually, if you connect with me as the vine, you know, I take, I'll take care of everything else beyond you. You just connect with me and that's all you need to do. Get nourishing sap from me and everything else will be okay. Take my light and easy yoke upon you. And I just felt like God just hammered me with that thought. And, and sure enough, while I'm there in L.A., you know, the, the guy's working on the flyer. Get it done. They're like, hey, by the way, it's done. It's ready to go. And while I was there in L.A., um, some things came up in our discussion that I thought, that, that's the Easter message right there about the gospel that I think God wants me to do. And while we were there, we started discussing, well, someone did a series in their church on what is a disciple and how do you make them? And I thought, I want, want to steal that from Pat Sokol, you know, and some of these different things. And, um, and so I just felt like God was blessing all these things. Another thing that he did at the time was kind of a, a humbling and, um, you know, and, and a blessing as well. Is I, I had shared with them some things from our lives. We shared about our church and what we're going through. But I shared with them the, the chapter that God had opened up in my life a couple of years ago. Some of you might not be familiar with that. But um, it was about two years ago now that um, I met. I got to know for sure. And I got to meet for the very first time my 21-year-old daughter. And, you know, I, I'd known there was a possibility and I tried to pursue it when I had become a Christian just because I want to know for sure. And for different reasons, I was never, never able to, to find out for sure. And there was, you know, resistance in an adoptive family and different things like that. And I just never knew. And, um, but 
21 years later, this young woman contacts me and we do this email exchange. Some of you are aware of the story. About two years ago after Easter, I shared this story. But anyways, uh, she came out for my 40th birthday that I celebrated here in the cafe and I got to meet her. And my family was just loving her. She's not a, a Christian. She's had a really hard life in a lot of ways. And... Um, but God's been cultivating that relationship there and we've been texting and we've been Skyping and we've been doing all sorts of cool technological relationally connecting things um, but anyways while I was out there in LA I shared this with these guys and was like hey some of you don't know this story that's going on in my world here and it's amazing and God's blessed my wife's relationship with her and her friendship there And um, but she'd had this boyfriend that were kind of like you know oh my goodness why this guy you know he's old enough to be your dad you know it's my age, you know, but um, but we've been praying God and bring someone else into our life graciously and gently, tear this relationship apart, something, but um, she wants to come out, maybe live with us, things like that, but eventually she, she has broken up with this guy, she found this other guy, she's been telling us about this guy, and he's a lot closer in age to her, and he seems like a really nice guy, he comes from a functional family, he likes cats, all the requirements that, that she has, you know, and uh, and so we were texting while we are out in L.A. here, and I'm just like, okay, uh, you know, uh, I, I told her something like, it seems like someone upstairs is looking out for you. You know, we've been trying to cultivate this dialogue about God and, and the reality of the relationship we live with Him. Um, and, and she's like, yeah, it seems like someone's watching out for me there. And, and so I gave her some advice. I was like, you know, make sure you take it slow in this relationship because that's not been her history, you know. And she just gets rushing into things. And um, and she's like, yeah, you know, take it slow. And then I share with her. I thought like God was giving me some things to share. And, um, you know, just share with her, uh, you know, if you want to have a different result in your relationship than you've ever had before, you need to make some different choices this time than you've ever made before. And she was like, oh, okay. You know, and I share with her, I also want to let you know, just in your physical relationship, make sure you take it slow with this guy. And I went on to share with her, um, just put in all caps, I said, because, because you're worth waiting for. And she texted back, yeah, I'm going to take it slow. Thanks for the advice. But no, I'm not worth waiting for. And uh, I was able to text back with her again. Um, you are worth waiting for. I wish I could have told you that years ago when you were younger. I wish I could have. And, you know, we just had this dialogue back and forth. Well, I'm out in L.A. trying to just grow my faith and share my heart with God. And and I'm just sobbing my head off and some of these pastors are coming in I'm trying to wipe my eyes wipe my nose and you know told her I'm crying over here and she's like oh, I'm trying not to cry just put mascara on you know um, and so but, but all of that I feel like God just gave me a glimpse of if you just sit connect with me uh, connect with me as the vine as the source of life I'll take care of all these other things and he did these amazing things while I'm out of town uh, not having access to my email so much and I just felt like it was a reminder to me, hey, you know, if you're going to trust me, I started this thing with you by faith and my spirit doing amazing things. And I want to continue it that way, Rich, if, if you'll let me and you'll trust me. And so I feel like you've just been cultivating that, hey, I want to give you not only deal with the penalty of your sin, I want to give you a full, abundant, amazing life. And I hope you catch that, that it's not just that he's dealt with you, sin which he has, but he's given you everything you need for an amazing life. And, you know, in the last part here, it's just he's given us everything we need for eternal life. And 
you know, I, I just want to share on that is that uh, you know, there's a time, you know, in this book he alerted, alluded to the ideas of uh, the penalty of our sins been dealt with. We've been given a power to overcome sin just as Jesus lived a sinless life. We've been given His Spirit, His power, everything we need to overcome sin. And yet we have a promise of a life where there will be no more sin. No more sin. Jesus is preparing us a place. And I think of this verse in Revelation. It's just a, a classic one. Revelation 21 here. And it just says... Um, let me see that too real quick here. But it says... And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and He will live with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And He who is seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Write this down. These words are trustworthy and true. And there's a place that He's taking us that will have no more pain. There's going to be no more broken relationships that lead to really hard situations for people in life. There's going to be no more of that. And He's given us the power to live in the midst of this broken world like He did. But He's given us the promise of a world that will have no more of this. I was struck recently, I had a conversation with my daughter recently. That's, uh, she's a young believer, you know, she just turned nine years old. And a very sensitive spirit and you know we were engaging on some things she had told me some, some things that weren't true and I was trying to kind of draw it out and get her to admit she was lying to me and and she admitted it and, and we went on and, and she told me she said dad can I talk to you uh, about something and, and I was like oh no you know here's that my, my daughters are getting the way. when they ask me to talk about something usually it's I might have hurt their feelings or things like that and they're getting to articulate that but in this case she said dad I want to talk to you about something privately and so we went and pulled her aside and talked to her. She's like, she asked this question, Dad, why, why did God send us into this world? If we're going to keep sinning against Him and, and you know, doing things wrong, you know, why, why are we still here? And I was just able to explain to her that, well, it's not about you, how, you being perfect, Graham. It's about us getting to know the God who is perfect and how patient He is with us and how loving He is and how forgiving. And God is perfect and we are not perfect. And, and then we talked about how there's going to be a time where we won't sin against Him anymore. It's going to be an amazing thing. And she was excited. And I've talked to my other kids about this. They're very excited about not sinning anymore as well. But, um, but I hope you're excited about a time where there will be no more sin. That you, you will never be impacted by sin causing you tears. You will never impact others with sin, causing them tears. There will be no more death, no more suffering. And that's a promise that also comes through this good news of the gospel. And I hope you, you catch all three of these facets. The, the, the past and what He's done for us, and the present and what Jesus wants to do for us now, and the future that He's preparing for us, and how amazing it's going to be. And uh, these, these are things my heart has been excited and renewed in, and I hope yours will do the same. And I'm just going to close with a few announcements here about these upcoming weeks here. Um, we are going to, um, well, next week, you might have heard, is Easter, it's, which typically follows Palm Sunday. And so, um, but we're going to talk about the gospel at Easter. We're just going to share the gospel in a, I think, a, a concise way, a way that I feel like resonates with my heart and, you know, my re- revisit some of these. But I, I feel like God's given me a presentation that uh, I think is going to be helpful for anyone who visits us. And I and ask that you would pray. Pray for this next Sunday, this Easter Sunday coming up. We passed out 10,000 flyers in our neighborhood inviting people to join us here for the gospel. And pray that God blesses that. But I also encourage you to pray that... Um, 
Pray that you are able to connect with someone who shows up on Easter morning. We want to share the gospel here, and I do hope that God blesses that. But if someone's going to really connect with God and begin to follow Him, you know, it's not going to be because of the person standing here on stage. You know, I don't know about you, but the reason I grew was I was encouraged by people that stood on stage and taught, but my life really changed by the people I was sitting next to and by the people that were a part of my life day after day at small group and other places, and that's where my life changed. And I hope that someone is blessed by the message on Easter Sunday. Um, you know, and it, it, in general, you know, it could be a rough message. I hope not. Pray that it's not. But, um, but their life is going to change when they connect with someone like you who has a relationship with Jesus Christ and, and can pass that on to someone else. And I, I just think of this verse here, and I hope that you would be praying it for, for this Easter and for your life in general. But this is um, in first. Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 8 and this is the Apostle Paul writing about some people he shared the gospel with and it says this verse 8 we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God but our very lives as well because you had become so dear to us we hope to share the gospel of God's love Easter morning here and uh, the power of the resurrection and the life that we can live but my hope is that people will come here and they will connect someone with someone like you who can share not only the gospel but your very life as well because they're so dear to you. You know, if, we, if this church is going to grow, if God's kingdom is going to advance, it's not going to grow just because uh, a room gets packed out or gets bigger. It's going to grow because there are people like you and I that are connecting with others and we're passing on the gospel life to life in the daily grind. And my hope is that you catch that. Don't miss that this Easter. Pray that God gives you someone to connect with. And if you don't have bandwidth in your life and you don't have the time for another friendship, you know, I think this series we're going to do, it's about envisioning us as disciples of Jesus. It's coming up here as well. But hopefully it will help us prioritize in such a way that we actually have time to make friendships with people who don't know Christ. And when they do come to know Him, that we have time to help them grow, just like it took time for us as well. But anyways, pray for that, please. We're also the week after Easter, we're going to do baptisms and not to be confused with baby dedications. That's on April 7th. And for those that maybe are Christians and you've never been baptized before, in some ways when you become a Christian, it's a private thing where you ask Christ, to come into your life where you share you know, through a simple prayer that you believe that Jesus died for you and that you deserve the punishment that he took but you look to him as your savior and you invite him in to your heart you know, as, as your new leader, your Lord and, and that's a private thing often or maybe you're with someone else when that happens but baptism is a way to take your private and your personal faith and to go public it's kind of like a wedding ceremony you, you want to go public and say I'm with this person for the rest of my life and baptism is a way to kind of express that publicly your faith publicly and I think about a verse here um, in Mark that's real, probably real fitting for the time that we live in this day and age but it's Mark 8 38 and it says this um, well, yeah, 8.38. It says, Jesus speaking here, and if you're thinking about getting baptized, if you think of yourself as a Christian who's placed your trust in the work that Jesus did on the cross um, as you, you know, to be your Savior, um, He says this, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of Him when He comes in His Father's glory with the holy angels. Now Jesus is saying, hey, if you're afraid to go public about me and make a stand for my words, there's going to be a time where I'm going to be ashamed to tell my father that, that you're with me because, well, you won't be. 
You know, and baptism is a way to not be ashamed. It's a way to go public and say, hey, I just want to tell you all, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And, and if you're interested in that, uh, please let me or one of the pastors know. There's a couple of you already that have mentioned you want to get baptized, and we're excited about that. It's always an encouraging time just in the life of the church to see people wanting to follow Christ, people responding to the gospel and uh, giving their life uh, you know, in response to it to, to be his disciples. So you can think about that. Also, if you haven't... If you have kids you haven't done, we do baby dedications as well where we just, uh, really we pray for the kids, we pray for the parents. It's more of a parent dedication because a lot of times the babies, they, you know, they, they don't perform very well quite yet. You know, they, they think about themselves a lot. They have a, you know, very self-centered at a young age there from, um, from birth, you know. Anyone who thinks that humans are innately good, you know, the human spirit is innately good. They've never had kids before, you know, and so um, we, we want to dedicate ourselves to raise them up, to know God, that they have a chance, that they're exposed to the gospel right there in your home. But if you are interested in signing up for baby dedications, again, one of us knows pastors, and we'll put you on the list there, but that'll be April 7th. The last thing here, just encourage you to pray for um, this Envision series coming up. We did an Impassion series. Um, the next series we'll do after this is an Envision series of what what is a disciple Jesus said go and make disciples and, and so what is a disciple and how do we make them and we want to visit that as a church we want to go uh, we really feel like God wants to mark us each one of us as a disciple and and then help us to make disciples of others as he's making a disciple of us but pray for that series one of the goals of our church this year is to become known as the, the low high Jesus people if you will you know there's the low high stake bar and the low high this and the low high that but we want to be the low high Jesus people because we're actually trying to follow Jesus the Jesus who is in this Bible and has teachings here that sometimes are not the easiest ones to follow in this day and age but pray for that series that it marks each one of us and I'm just going to pray to close our time here Well, Lord Jesus, we do just thank you for this morning. God, we just thank you for leading us through this series, uh, the Gospel-Centered Discipleship book here. We thank you for the verses that we were able to study and uh, to chew on and to meditate on and to apply to our lives. And God, I pray you'd help each one of us to catch just even these promises of the Gospel that we've talked about, the promise of a new life, the promise of our sin being dealt with and what you did on the cross. God, help us to believe that... Um, you have, uh, the, the gospel is also about uh, living a full life, that, that you've given us the power and everything we need to live a full and a Christ-like life now with you at the center of that. Lord, help us have the faith we need to just trust you and give our life over to you. And God, I just thank you that in the gospel we have a promise of a place where there will be no more sin, where we will get to um, enjoy and celebrate and uh, be in your, your perfection forever, Lord. And, and we thank you for that. Help us to hold on to that hope as we work in this broken world. And we just thank you for the good news that's been made possible through your life. We thank you that you're with us now. Please grow our faith and passion our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for coming this morning. Enjoy the rest of your Palm Sunday. Amen.